I'm going to invite uh, Phil Porter to join me over. We're going to share a message uh, together over here. Phil's our newest staff member, our pastoral administrator, came on board seven months ago, seven months ago yeah. October-ish uh, time mm-hmm. frame. And mm-hmm. so for those who are new, we do this from time to time. We'll sit in two chairs and we'll, we'll share the, the word together. And so, Lord, guide us as we gather around your word. Guide us as we seek to be faithful followers of Jesus. Guide us as we seek to fulfill that great and high commission that you have given to all your followers to bear witness to Christ and his kingdom. And so, Lord, guide us now, uh, granting us open ears and hearts that we might uh, understand and be changed because we have heard your word and been in your presence. Here us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so for the last four weeks, uh, we have been talking about the Great Commission. Eric's been leading us in this study where Jesus commissions or commits to his followers a task, a, a, a responsibility. It's a sacred call, a sacred duty, a sacred responsibility, a sacred task that he entrusted to the first followers that they were to go. And so we've looked at the different expressions of the Great Commission. Um, In Luke, this call to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to the nations. So that's the way Luke captures uh, the Great Commission. Matthew is the familiar expression Go into all the world, into all nations, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. That's the most familiar expression of it. Uh, And then John said it this way, As the Father has sent me, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so this great commission, that this this call to bear witness in and through our lives to the expansive kingdom of God. And each of those expressions of the Great Commission, as we find it in the Gospels, has that expansive reality. Preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to the nations. Matthew, go to all the nations. As the Father sending me, so I'm sending you. There's this, this image of, of going out. And so the book of Acts, we're not going to study it all today, but we're going to read one, one passage. The book of Acts gives witness to this expansive reality. In, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. And in Judea, that's the surrounding region, and Samaria, so now we're crossing a little bit of a boundary. The Samaritans were, uh, had a different ethnic and cultural reality. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The fact that we are gathering here in Noakesville, Virginia, bears witness to the power of that commission. That was given 2,000 years ago. How in the world did the message get from Jerusalem to Noakesville, Virginia? Do you realize we are the ends of the earth relative to Jerusalem? 
We said, no, 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 this is the center of the world, right? And that's the ends of the earth. And so the commission has been embraced. It has been engaged by God's people through the centuries, and we are witness to that. And so the church has always been sending people out to bear witness. And so uh, let me invite you to turn, if you haven't already, in Acts chapter, I think I tell you to pick it up in chapter 12, right? Page 1712. So in the book of Acts, now we see the church growing. Pentecost has happened. That's in a couple weeks. We'll celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Peter stands up, preaches, 3,000 are gathered into the church. And so as we pick up in Acts chapter 12, there's this guy named Saul who used to persecute Christians, has met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and he is now enlisted in this great commission. And the one who took Saul under his wings, because they were kind of afraid of him, the early church was afraid of this guy, Yeah, right. He's a convert now. I don't know about that. Barnabas takes Saul under his wing. Barnabas is an encourager. He's a positive, uh, helpful person. And so they have been bearing witness. So in Acts chapter 12, verse 25, we read this. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, what's going on here? We're going to talk today about being a sending church. The church, we read about the church at Antioch, where you usually think about the early church in Jerusalem. Antioch is north of Jerusalem a little bit. It's up in Syria, and it has become somewhat of a base camp for missionary activity. It's kind of headquarters. And so you have these prophets there. You've got Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. So you've got these five uh, men who are named, and they have gifts of proclamation. And now there's two of them that are being set apart. The church is gathered for worship. They've already come back. Barnabas and Saul have already been out, right? And so they're already sharing some good news. And then the church is gathered. We don't know if it's a Sunday morning gathering like this. When were they gathering, worshiping, fasting, praying? But they were doing so. And in that context, the Holy Spirit communicates, perhaps through one of the other prophets, set apart Barnabas and Saul. I've got work for them to do. And so the church gathers around, lays hands on them. Those of you who've been ordained uh, as elders and deacons, you've experienced that. 
the church gathers around and lays its hands. It confers and says, we recognize in you a sacred calling, task, and responsibility. We're setting you apart for this work. And so the church entrusted to Barnabas and Saul this work. Go. And so in the church, you are either sent or you are sending. Now, Eric's talked about this, says we're all missionaries, right? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But the church through the ages has been sending people out. So as a Christian, you are either sent, and in some ways all of us are, that's what Eric's been saying, but in another sense, the church has been gathering through the centuries, setting people apart and sending them out to work. So we want to talk about what it means to be a sending church at, at Granite. So, so Phil uh, Porter, <clears throat> we have been friends. I should have done the math on this. 40. 40 years. I don't know how that is. I'm only 39 years old. So how could that possibly be? <clears throat> and I'm younger than him. That's right. And, and he's younger. So we met uh, down at the University of Virginia. We were involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Ministry together. And by God's grace, our paths have crossed uh, again. And so we now work together. Uh, Phil, you have a story of being sent out as a, as a missionary. I'd love to get a little bit of your background. Um, all those years ago, you know, I went out to Kansas. Where'd you go from there, you know, upon graduation? So tell us your story of how you got onto the mission field and, and all that. Absolutely. First of all, Don, thank you. I want to say thank you to the church for such a warm welcome to Liz and I as we joined you over six months ago now. Mm. So great to be a part of this fellowship. Love the people of God. Love how quickly you can integrate and become part of the family. Uh, yeah, so finished uh, University of Virginia. I'm from Roanoke, Southwest Virginia, and, and my heritage was one in which the Great Commission was, was proclaimed in, in large part just throughout the services and throughout the year. So, so it was a sort of a part of me, but, but, I, but I always saw that as a very distinct and different type of work and people and, you know, uh, just very, in almost an, in an elevated way. And then as I got close to, to finishing up university, trying to figure out what to do, there was an opportunity to go and live overseas and serve as a part of the, the team working on the Great Commission. Um, left from Roanoke, um, I can remember this day, they had, I got sent to Bangkok, Thailand to help minister there through some English ministries and youth work. And uh, went to the airport and they, they had no idea how to get my luggage from Roanoke, Virginia to Bangkok, <laughs> Thailand. So, so we helped pioneer some things there for Roanoke back, back all that time ago. But it was a two-year assignment. Uh, loved it. Loved uh, seeing sort of the, the world and the peoples of the world in ways that you can't really tell when you read about it. Came back and start, I was ready to put my UVA business degree to work. And by that point, it was inside of me. Hmm. And it was a very clear, distinct understanding that this is what I am to devote my vocational career to. So started down that path of uh, education, seminary, practical church planting, and then was sent to minister in uh, Southeast Asia and in other parts of the world. So that call was a very real thing that I, I came to understand. For me, Don, really the greatest expression, I like the Matthew 28, mm -hmm. uh, go and make disciples of all nations. But what precedes that? 
Hmm. What does Jesus say right before that? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he gives an order. Yeah. So for me, you know, my, one of the things my wife has taught me is when the Lord speaks, when God speaks to us, what do we say? We say, yes, sir. Mm. Yeah. And so for me, it was, it was a, a part of heritage, but it was an act of obedience when I heard that calling to go and make this. I didn't know what that meant. I just went and, and, and learned along the way. But that was a part of kind of the initial going out and then trying to respond to that. And that heritage is Southern Baptist heritage. Let's raise your hand if you got that Southern Baptist heritage. Whoop, whoop. You love that. And which seminary did you attend? Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Yep. yep. Good. Yep. And so that, that, that vision of going. And so how, how were you sent? Was there a particular church? So, so this church has sent Austin House, right? Our, our, our missionary over to, to Burma and to Thailand. Was, was your home church part of that sending? How, how did that work? Yes, yeah, so again, in that heritage, it's a cooperative effort. So the churches have banded together and, and the resources are raised through the churches and then you're sent out commissioned as a part of that corporate effort. But certainly there was a commissioning and a sending out from my local church as they, uh, you know, they saw me as one of their own yeah. going to, to, to be a part of the Great Commission work. So it was both a corporate effort, a bigger, a bigger effort across all the churches, and then a local church uh, sending me out. Like a Greenwich, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like so a Greenwich. people that knew me that I'd grown up with, they know my forebears, what he's going to, what, yeah. what is he doing? Phil possibly you know, exactly. be, yeah. Um, so yeah. that was, that was, that was the, and, and that was always important. Um, I, I've got a quote here that I, I definitely wanted to share. One of the early missionaries, some of you may have heard of, William Carey. Uh, he was fighting an uphill battle because at that time in the 1700s, the understanding of the Great Commission was God will take care of that. God will save the heathen if mm. he so chooses. And the church was just comfortable in that. And he began to buck that trend. He said, no. There's a call to obedience to go and make disciples. So he had a good friend, Andrew Fuller, and the great, the great quote that I love from William Carey, he said to Andrew as, they were, as he was preparing to go, he said, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. Mm. And so think about that visually, descending down into a, a dark place that was going to be difficult you want it, you don't just jump in, you're, you're descending down on a rope and you've got your brother, your friend, mm. your church holding the ropes up on the mainlands as you descend. And that has always been my picture mm. of the local church. Because, you know, we, we get the Bible and we read it and we want to find ourselves in there. What does God want for my will? But really the Bible, the commission is to the church. It's to the people of God. Mm. And so it's us corporately being obedient. Some of us have certain roles. There's times when we're called to go down into the pit, to cross barriers, to help share the gospel. But you don't do that alone. It's always done mm. corporately. And think of the comfort that comes for Austin and others as Greenwich has sent them out. As we're here staked down by the gospel, holding the ropes as they're in the midst of darkness trying to share the light mm. that is Jesus. So I said earlier, you're either sent or you're sending to put it in Carrie's language, you're either in the pit or you're holding the ropes, right? Correct. So, so the, these are the, the roles within it. 
So talk about some of the work you did on the field because you served in a few different places and a few different capacities. So, so unfold that for us a little bit. Yeah, so certainly did some practical ministry work in the U.S., helped to start a church in Wisconsin uh, right after seminary just to try to, to get an understanding of practically living out the gospel and ministry in a place that wasn't home. You know, for me in the United States, leaving Roanoke, Southwest Virginia, going to Wisconsin <laughs> was about as far as I could go cross-culturally. Um, but then, then went to do some work in Southeast Asia. First assignment was in Burma, Myanmar. And went crazy? there back uh, as, as the country was just opening up. Um, often, Don, I found to myself in two roles. One would be sort of moving into a new area where mm. we've not had expression of the gospel. So unreached people groups places where the church has not yet planted itself and the people can't evangelize themselves. So helping to sort of push that out, look for those places where the gospel has not yet penetrated into the people. And then often I would find myself in some type of administrative role, enabling those who come behind as we set the foundation for an expression of the gospel. You know, when you go into places where there is no church, where there is no gospel, it can be a hostile environment. And so we would always go in and lead with opportunities for service. How can we serve you? And you have to be careful even. Mm. You know, the word missionary mm. is not a biblical word. Eric taught us a few weeks ago about Christian words and learning the words. And missionary is one of those words. It's not a biblical term. And unfortunately, in parts of the world, it's not often even a helpful term because it's so closely tied with colonialism and the expansion of, of uh, Western culture into certain people, uh, groups, and areas. And so you, you have to be careful with that. Yet home, it's okay. But when you're there in the midst of Muslim or Hindu or other peoples, you, you lead with the, the, the humble position of service. How can I serve you? Do you, does your people need clean water? Maybe you want to learn to speak English. How about some business opportunities? And in the midst of that, you carry the light into a new mm. culture. So I found myself exploring, uh, sharing the gospel in those ways along the way. When we were talking this week, you, you talked about that, like that Acts passage, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of earth, that there's crossing of boundaries, that Correct. there's somehow from a mission standpoint, Correct. that that's important. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so again, missionary... The closest biblical term would probably be apostle, one okay. who is sent, yeah. so one who is sent out. And so in a technical sense, a missionary, as we use it in, in, in missiology or the church culture, would be crossing some kind of cultural barriers. So, so the, the, the Acts passage talks about geographical barriers, but then if you've traveled, if you go far enough... You understand there's linguistic barriers. You mm. find yourself in a place where nobody speaks the language English you're familiar with. Uh, cultural barriers. And, and, but, it's, but it has often in our mind, it's going out <laughs> geographically. I told Donna kind of a funny story this week, and this helped me. Um, I was out trying to push the boundaries of where the gospel was not. Had my family in, in uh, a country, Indonesia, it was in the capital city. I got on a plane to go visit a mission partner on another island, Sulawesi, where there was a little bit of work, a few folks. And then I got on another plane. I said, well, we're going to go to an area of this island where there is no gospel. Got on another plane, small plane, hmm, flew to another part of the island where there was no gospel. 
got off the plane, think, you know, just, just excited about what the opportunities might be, and who greeted me at the airport? The colonel. Kentucky Fried Chicken had already beat the gospel to this area of the island. And it was then that I realized we have the technology, we have the means to get Kentucky Fried Chicken to the farthest corners of the earth. <laughs> Certainly, we can leverage that as the church to see the gospel spread in those places. <laughs> What are the chances, right? Shocked. Yeah. While being on the field, you would have, it was a different era, so we didn't have cell phones, Zoom, internet, et cetera. So how did you stay in touch, or how did the church, the sending churches, stay in touch with you? Um, and then just how, because as we're a sending church with mission partners, how can we think about being more faithful. So what, what were some of the ways that you were stayed in touch with? Did you hear from folks? Was it good old-fashioned letters and snail mails, we call it, or phone calls? I mean, how did it work? Or were you just out there, you and the colonel, you know, doing the work? Colonel. <clears throat> yeah, I, certainly we used the technology we had, and at that point it was pen and paper and, and telephone lines. Um, my mom would call, or my parents would call once a month. We would talk for an hour, it cost $100. And that was a lot then, <laughs> it's a lot now. Uh, and then letters. Um, you know, I, I'll have to say in, the, in that heritage, and this is nothing, you know, we've learned, we're learning, it was a sort of a bit at that point of sent, being sent out. And then, I, I wouldn't say forgotten about, but there just wasn't a lot of contact. And so, mm. so, you, were, so you sort of held on to that, and then there was a, always a warm welcoming when you came back, but there wasn't a lot. Of that. Over time, I've seen that, you know, change with technology. And I've seen that as the, ch I think there's been a movement within the church in the last couple of decades where the church understands the, 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 the missionary care aspect mm. of that. It's not just when you come home and, you know, go get your go, go sugar cereals and all this, the, yeah. the fast food you weren't able to have for a long time. But it is that sustaining, certainly and I don't downplay this all, certainly the best thing we can do is pray. Yeah. So certainly in the heavenlies, we are remembering our missionaries, and that's just us being intentional about that. But now we can communicate, we can talk, we can, we can encourage, assist. You know, one of the, I think one of the temptations that we face as the sending church, you know, Austin's, I had a Zoom call with him this past week. He's doing well, greets everybody, just, just was catching up with him. I think because I was thinking about this, I wanted to reach out and, and see how they are doing. There's a tendency at times to think, you know, well, that Great Commission reaching all those billions of people that are unreached, somebody's going to do that, right? They're, they're going to take care of it, right? And so I think you've, you've shared some thoughts around that as well in terms of, there maybe isn't yeah. a they, right? And, and we've heard our pastor talk about if, if we don't hold up the gospel, if we don't share the gospel as a church, who will do it? And I love that line, but I, I love stories. And one of my favorite stories that I've illustrated this with is back when my children were little, I found myself elected the recycling chairman of their uh, elementary school. The one loan job you had to do <laughs> was take the big trailer that was parked in the school parking lot that was full of drink cans 
to the recycling center. That was your job. And so uh, I recruited a guy from my Sunday school class, one of my best friends at that time in Atlanta, Thomas James. And I said, Thomas, let's go. Let's go check it out. And then we're going to take this trailer. It hadn't been done in a while. They had trouble getting somebody for this auspicious position that I now held. So, so we went to check out the trailer. There were cans, soda, beer, all all. They were flowing over the side of the trailer. They were all over the side of the road. Um, we looked at the trailer, and, and Thomas said, uh, so when are they going to come put the cans in the trailer so we can haul it off? Because he had the pickup. I said, Thomas, there is no they. We looked at the trailer. It had, I'm not kidding you, it had four flat tires. <laughs> so it had been a while since the trailer had been hauled off, and he's just standing there looking at it, and well, when are they going to fix the flat tires on the trailer so I can hook it to my pickup and haul it to the recycle center? Thomas, there is no they. <laughs> and we'd had a couple more episodes. That Thomas, there is no they. We are they. Mm. And that was, that's always been a great illustration for me to understand. If we're going to complete the Great Commission, we have an order. Make disciples of all nations. That's not just a musical-sounding verse. That is an order from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we're going to do that, it's, we're not gonna, it's not going to be on CNN. We're not going to see corporate America rise up and all of a sudden have a big initiative to share the gospel yeah. with all peoples. Yeah. There is no they to complete that commission. We are they. And so that's just kind of always been a, a, a lens through which I've seen the church. As much as we love our worship and being together corporately, globally, we have the responsibility. And you've just given testimony. The gospel is here in Knoxville, yep. Virginia. Right. Ironically, some of, my, some of my work while we were living in Turkey was to go do an ethnographic study, a research study with the potential of doing work in Antioch. How about that? The same Antioch no where church, Saul and Barnabas were set apart. No gospel. Wow. So the world moves. The peoples of the world move. The church there is no more. Yeah. And so now the church in, in America is now looking to expand the gospel into those places. So it's no longer, and I love this, it's no longer just a geographical issue. That, that, that traveling, can I get on a plane? No. What, what we've realized, especially in our country now, the nations, Mindy, yeah. are coming to us. Yeah. And so it's no longer a geographical crossing. It's just a, mostly a getting out of our comfort zone crossing, speaking to somebody that looks a little different from us, or maybe they're English, they're still learning English, and taking those opportunities that God gives us. Now more than ever, we all as a part of the church mm. have a chance to share the gospel among mm. all the nations. And Cece, this is what we were talking about and celebrating a couple of weeks ago, right? Your work teaching Afghan refugees how to drive is part of this Absolutely. Great Commission Absolutely. work of welcoming them. And, and, and so you were sent uh, not very far, but into the passenger seat of a car. And I'm sure there was some white knuckling that went on when that, when that was happening. So... So what's, what's challenging around all this, because I find when talking about missions, the tendency is to separate it into, you know, well, they are Austin's they. Okay, yeah. so we don't have to yeah. do anything because, okay, at least Austin will take care of it. You know, he'll yeah. get that half of the world, right? It's just us, right? There's no they. It's Christians who are bearing witness. But there's still a tendency to, that's just so remote. <clears throat> so 
I think the ways of which we get connected to the Great Commission then is to find ourselves strengthening our ability to be a sending church, okay? Yes, we're sent, you know, I mean, if, if, if somebody comes across you, bear witness to Christ, love them, serve them, let's do that. But then as we think about this work to the nations, the billions of people who've not yet heard, that's overwhelming for a Greenwich, but there's some things we can do. And so you mentioned praying, so, so I'm thinking about ways that we can strengthen our ability to be a sending church. I don't know if this happened when you walked in, did you get one of these in your, okay, it did, it did happen? Could everybody take that out? These are our mission partners. Look at them all, okay? And so we want to pray. Take that half sheet, just take it home. You can tuck it in your Bible, put it by your nice and wherever you say your prayers. If you could systematically, regularly pray for these folks, some of them are agencies, entities, some of those are individuals, we would love for you to pray. Pay attention if you know where they are, and we can do a better job of telling you where they are, okay, so we're going to be doing that. When you hear about fighting in Burma, you know we've got somebody there. I just read this morning there was a tornado in Brownsville, Texas. I just talked yesterday to Pastor Victor. He's going to be here in two weeks. Matamoros is right across the border, so that tornado that ripped into Brownsville was probably scary for our friends, uh, Pastor Victor and Beta, Juan and Veronica, in Matamoros. And so when you hear news where we have missionaries, you can pray for those folks. We can be in touch in ways that, yes, you can do pen and paper, but you can Zoom, you can write, you can email, you can text. And so it's, it's uh, being aware as you can. Be an advocate for and participate in the ministries when you can. And so we, have a, we, we normally do this. Mother's Day, we hand out our, our bottles. Love to see all the bottles gone today. There's no reason there should be any bottles left over. A simple way of supporting our Life First ministry here in Manassas, Virginia. They'd love to host you to see the center where they work with uh, young men and, and young women who find themselves in need of their services. Um, we cook meals for Serve, uh, a shelter in uh, Manassas, and so a number of folks have done that uh, over time. So advocate for it. As you're praying about it, you're uh, gathering an awareness, and then be an advocate for that. Uh, hey, let me, I'd love to come visit where I can, and, th and then support it as you can, participate uh, where you can, and then frankly, give. What I have observed over the years, the sending church has resources that the sent church often doesn't. And one of the primary resources the church in America has that the church in other parts of the world doesn't is money. God has given some the gift of evangelism, some the gift of apostleship to go be sent out. Austin has that. You have shared that. These folks, uh, these, you know, Keith and Marty Francois, um, uh, uh, Austin and Sinte House, the Juan and Veronica Liniero, these have that, that gift of apostleship, of evangelism being sent. We have the gift of making money. We have the gift of a strong economy. And so I don't know if you know this, and, and forgive me, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed that I haven't kept this in front of the church. We tithe on our operating budget. We've got a big operating budget, and we tithe on that. 
And so 10% of our budget goes to the mission field. But in order for us to keep doing that... and it, I want to applaud that. Just excuse me for interrupting, Don. But I've been a part of a number of different churches, big churches, big missionary churches. I've never been a part of a church that tithed, gave back to God a tenth of what the people are giving to the church. Mm. Usually it's 95, 96, 97% stays within the church. And then even if it's a huge budget, it seems like a big number. But that is, to me, an incredible mm. commitment Hmm. to holding the ropes. You know, the ropes get frayed and, and you need to replace the ropes at times <laughs> and it takes money to do that. And I just want to applaud you guys for the track record that has led the decision to be made yeah. to do that. It's unusual and I think a wonderful commitment. So be encouraged by that. You know, uh, uh, Peter, when he did a healing back in early in Acts, he said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but mm. what I have give you, we have silver and gold now. Yeah. The church in North America has silver and gold. And as we give it up to the cause that, God, that Jesus calls to, it encourages those who are gone. Who are and sent. so our tithing from our church budget is enabled by your tithing. And tithing is 10%. You know, wow! 10%. But if our whole church gave 10% of our income that God entrusts to us every year we'd probably give more than 10%. We wouldn't know what to do with all that money. And so let me encourage you to sacrifice as we have folks on the mission field and mission partners sacrificing and altering their life for the sake of the gospel. Let me encourage you to be, you know, embrace that call in the sending church and, and examine your own giving and how can I give more so that the church, so, so that the ropes can be held and the gospel uh, can go forward. So, Phil, thank you for sharing um, this. Uh, I'm glad for you to get to know Phil a little bit more in this way after service. If you all haven't met, uh, invite you to come on up and uh, introduce yourself. So, so uh, why don't you why don't you close us in prayer here? Sure, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of knowing you and knowing the gospel. We know you, we know the gospel. It seems so all familiar mm. to us, but we know you because someone was sent to tell us. Maybe it was a mother or a grandmother or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. Those people that you raise up in the family and in the church, and we're grateful for that, Lord. Help us to take that heritage that you've given us, and as you allow us to, be obedient to your call to see the gospel spread among all nations, mm -hmm. all peoples. May it begin here. May it begin with us. And we do it all in the, in the name of Jesus, to his honor and glory, whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's